standing for the reading of God's Word, and we're going to be looking at just verse 39 this morning from Hebrews chapter 10. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. Please be seated. Well, as you come to this new year, the first word that should be said is congratulations. You may not have thought you would have made it to this new year, but hopefully as you enter into this new year, you enter in with optimism, with the hope of the future, but no doubt there is still that uncertainty that looms large on several different fronts, and we might wonder, how is it that we recover from what we have endured in this last year? And I can't say that I have an exact answer for that, but I would say this, that with an uncertain future, there is something that is very good for us spiritually. Now, I don't mean that it's necessarily enjoyable, but there is something good for us. Because when there is uncertainty, when there is a time when our world is shaken, It makes us go back to our roots. It makes us go back to our foundation to make sure that our anchor is strong. And indeed, we need a strong anchor. But the good news this morning as we begin this year is that we have a very secure anchor. We have a solid rock. We have a sure foundation. That no matter what may come, we may rest secure. And so let me ask you as we look at this passage this morning briefly, how are you feeling as you enter into this year? Is there a confidence? Is there an assurance of what lies ahead? Not because there's confidence or assurance in us by no means, but because there's a confidence and assurance that is ours in the Lord and in who he is. And that is exactly where the author of Hebrews directs our attention this morning as we begin a new series that, Lord willing, we will start next week. We are going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, a series that will take us right up to Easter morning, a series that we are entitling Walking by Faith. And we want to see what it means to truly do that, to walk by faith, not just once in a while, but moment by moment, day by day. And our text this morning is an introduction to that wonderful, great chapter. The author of Hebrews is telling us that we need to not only endure and persevere, but to have great confidence. But our confidence, again, is not in ourselves or our ability to persevere and endure, but in the Lord. And that is where we must look this morning. And so we want to briefly, again, look at this in just two points. Not shrinking back. And second, to endure on. First, not shrinking back. What is it that makes us to shrink back? Well, there's probably many things, but probably the greatest thing is fear, isn't it? That fear makes us cowardice, not willing to step up, not willing to step out, not willing to speak out, 
the fear of people or the fear of unknown or the fear of uncertainty, that there is a trigger that happens to have us to, to fear and to be anxious. Sometimes that trigger can be very rational. Sometimes it can be very irrational. And sometimes we may even admit that this fear is irrational and yet we cannot turn it off. But we would say that all fear limits, it hinders, it imprisons, be it a lot or be it a little. But this verse, as we begin this year, would tell us that we are not to live by fear. As the author says, that we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Why is that? Why are we not to be fearful? Is it because we are naturally confident? Is it because we are naturally bold? Well, no, not at all. The reason why, beloved, that we can be confident, that we can have assurance, that we need not be fearful is because what matters most in life and in death is already secured for us. That we have peace with God. That we have reconciliation with the Holy One. And that is what has taken place if you are in Christ Jesus this morning. And if that is true, then everything else in life is far below that. It is of child's play, we would say. And I would say if this morning, if you are not in Christ, then you are not fearing that which you should fear, or perhaps I could say you are fearing the wrong thing. You're fearing things on this earth when in reality you have a far greater problem in which you must fear, and that is your sin and your impending death and therefore judgment. You should fear that more than anything else. Jesus says these words which would be very frightening if he didn't come to be our Savior, to be our one that stands before this holy God, when he says, do not fear those who kill the body, rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Jesus says, no, fear that. Don't fear these other things, even those that may kill you, but rather fear the God in which you must give an account. But if you are in Christ, you should have no fear in this life or in the next, because we are secure in Christ. As the author of Hebrews puts it earlier in chapter 10, verse 19, he says, we should have confidence to even enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Notice what he is saying there, that we have confidence because of what Christ has done for us. We have this blood of Christ, and that gives us confidence in everything else. Perhaps I could put it this way. Does someone that has a hundred thousand dollars in savings do they fear an unexpected bill of five hundred dollars or even a thousand dollars or even ten thousand dollars you would say no they don't sweat that for a second why because they have the resources to cover it don't they well in the very same way since we are in christ we have all of the resources in which to cover everything that we may fear, or be afraid of. So why is it then that we live like we are in spiritual debt? 
that God cannot cover that which is lacking, so to speak. That he will not or cannot provide in this. No, that demonstrates that we do not trust him. We do not trust this one who has told us that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All is covered. All is well, both in life and in death, because he is our faithful Savior. If he is covered and provided in our greatest need, how much more these things that are so much smaller and less than. That's what Paul says in Romans 8, doesn't he? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also not with him graciously give us all things? You hear what Paul is saying. He's saying he's already paid for the greatest thing. Do you think that he'll now forsake you in the smaller things? These things that are so much more petty, the earthly travails of life, they are as nothing to the Lord. Therefore, give them unto him. And so as we begin this year, perhaps we need to ask this question of this year that has passed. Have you surrendered your fears to the Lord as you enter into this new year? Or are you bringing the the baggage? Are you bringing the burdens of last year into this year? Do you believe that the Lord, the Lord God of heaven and earth is sufficient to handle anything that comes your ways. Those words, he who did not spare his own son, should be ringing in our ears and upon our hearts and our minds at this time. Stand on those promises, beloved. They come from the limitless resources of the Lord Jesus Christ. They come from the bank account, so to speak, of the infinite God, and he gives them to you. Let us be reminded of that as we enter into this wonderful and glorious chapter of Hebrews 11. We have faith in this God because this God is faithful and true. He is the firm foundation and rock for our feet. Therefore, we need not shrink back. And as a result, we can endure on. Perhaps you've been hearing a few political ads lately, or perhaps getting some texts or some flyers in the mail, and when I mean a few, I mean like a thousand, right? What is the tone of all of these ads? It's one of fear. It's fear-mongering, as they say. If so-and-so gets into office, this is what's going to happen. All chaos and pandemonium will break out. And they obviously do it because it works, but fear may motivate, but it cannot sustain. And therefore, we do not serve God out of fear. We do not serve God out of terror. But rather, what John says, that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We pursue God out of love not trying to earn his favor, but because we already have his favor. And in that pursuit, in that love, it casts out fear. Yes, we have the right kind of fear that would 
have us to honor and respect and love and have gratitude for our father as any child would for a loving and caring parents. So too with God, he has given this relationship to us as a gift. And therefore, we need not work for it. It's not by works. It's not one that we can earn. And we couldn't earn it even if we tried. Just like you wouldn't have your child to earn their place in the family. You wouldn't say that you have this last name, but that last name may be taken away from you if you don't do the right thing. Your spot at the table may be gone if you don't behave according to the things that I would have you to to behave in. You're out. We would say to our children, no, you're a part of this family. You have a spot here because it was given to you at birth. In the same way, we are a part of God's family because that was given to us at birth, the, the new birth that happens through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the result, nothing will take that away. If you are adopted, you cannot be unadopted. It is an irrevocable act. And so we are to live in that relationship as we begin this year. But nevertheless, we, we need that endurance As he says in verse 36, for you have need of endurance. We recognize that we come into this year perhaps tired and frail. We recognize that the Christian life is challenging. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We have to go through the muck and mire of this world. We have to fight the good fight. We desire to to win the race of the upward calling of Jesus Christ our Lord and To be able to do so, we have to endure trials and suffering and tribulation. No doubt the recipients of this letter endured all of those things and much, much more. And he's saying to them that you need endurance. And that is probably perhaps the way that you feel as you come into this new year. Don't know if you're going to be able to make it. You might feel like you're 13 miles in in a 26-mile marathon, wondering how you're going to make the second half of this race. Well, the good news is this passage in the whole of Scripture is not saying, well, you just need to dig deeper and try harder and do more. That you got this. Much like a a fitness coach may, may do and say, come on, don't give up. Try harder. Dig deeper. No, the Bible doesn't speak in this way. It says that perseverance, endurance, is not up to us. Because if it was, then we would have failed a long time ago. You know, the wonderful doctrine of the perseverance of the saints is not that one that says that we will persevere. No, the reality is what we're saying is that God will persevere. It's not saying that we will never fail. It's saying that God will never fail. It's not saying that we won't let go. It's saying that God won't let go of us, that he will never turn his back upon us, that he will never ask for a refund, that he'll never say, this one is too far damaged. This one's too far gone. I can't do anything with him or with her. No, he is the one that keeps us. He is the one that sustains us. 
He is the one that allows us to persevere and endure to the very ends. The Westminster Confession of Faith has a wonderful little section, and it begins by saying this, the perseverance of the saints depends not upon our own free will, but then goes on to say that it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit that does all of these things. If I can summarize that little paragraph, it essentially says that God is all in, that the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost can do no other unless they violate the very nature of who they are, that we will persevere, not because we have it in us, but because God has it in him. And that is where we're trust is. God's love can do no other. The Son's merit can have no other. The Spirit's abiding presence will always be there. Those that struggle with the assurance of salvation that many of you might have at different times and different places in this journey, I often ask the question, do you hold on to God or does God hold on to you? The reality is that God holds on to us and his grip is strong. Even when our grip is oh so weak, he will not let go of us. And so, if we are to to have this faith that Hebrews chapter 11 talks about, and we need to have a persevering and enduring faith that is able to preserve our soul to the very end, but we need to be reminded as we enter into this chapter and we look at all of these individuals that had faith, did they have perfect faith? Absolutely not, but they had a preserving and enduring faith. Why? Because they were kept by God. And we are to have that same faith, but it's because we have that same faith in the very same God as them, the one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we enter into this year, no doubt with much uncertainty and doubt, May our prayer be that the Lord would preserve us each and every day, that he would be my strength and my portion, that he would be my daily bread, and that I, by his grace, would faithfully endure on this path that he would give to me. Those men that we have just seen up here, those of you that have just become officers, no doubt you enter into this office with zeal and enthusiasm, and you ought, but you need the preserving grace and the endurance of God to to be able to remain to the very end, to, to be able to do the work that God calls you to do, to be those that do not shrink back, but those that endure on. But the good news is this, that God is the one that allows you to be able to do that. And therefore, look to him, rest in him, find the strength that only he can give to you. And as we come to this table now, what a wonderful reminder as we begin this year that it's the Lord that is our substance, isn't it? It's he that we feed upon. It's he that we need more than the food that we eat and the 
air that we breathe, and he gives us what we need. So, beloved, in this year of our Lord, let us not have a shrinking faith, but let us have a growing faith, a preserving faith, and faith that endures and ventures on all by his grace and ultimately for his glory.